was never a fan of uh, mustaches, but they're really growing on me now. Ah, there's your dad joke for the day. Hopefully that's the only one you encounter. Uh, we're going to be uh, reading in James chapter 4, but we're, before we begin, uh, let's go ahead and uh, commit our time to the Lord. Our Father, we just thank you again for time and fellowship and uh, time in your word. We just ask that you bless the reading of your word as you always do, and also open our ears, hearts, and minds to be receptive to what you have for us all today, myself included. And then we pray for all those that are sick, not here, and those that are sick here, and Help us all to feel better and get well. Pray for travel mercies for those traveling this weekend and, and um, over the holidays soon as well. Lift them up in prayer. We just ask this in your name, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. James chapter 4. All right, and we'll just go ahead and get right to it and... Starting in verse 1 of James 4, says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Uh, We'll go ahead and stop there for now. So we start off this chapter with uh, the question, what is the source of wars and fights among you? James says. I'll go ahead and look at here uh, in another translation. So it says, uh, New King James, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Right? Um, that that sounds familiar, right? Paul liked to, to use that term, your members. He talks about parts of your body itself, right? The, the physical body. Um, but really just speaks to us in, in our humanity as a whole, right? We have something within us that is not of God, um, but it, it, it creeps up from within, right? These desires to just please ourselves and seek after things that are not um, holy and righteous. And I guess in the context from, from some other reading is that a lot of the Jews at the time were... were not only fighting amongst themselves um, about somewhat about spiritual things, but also about material things, and they were, you know, having insurrection against um, the Romans and such. So, um, 
there's a lot of that here now today, right? We we all we all see um, war and rumors of war. We know this is a thing that will continue to happen, right? So. Um, why do we fight? Why do we fight on a small scale? Why do we argue? Why do we quarrel? Why do we um, get upset with our neighbors or even loved ones? And then why do, to the extent that to entire civilizations attack others, right? Well, it's typically over physical, material things, right? And that's not to say that there isn't a necessity to defend yourself, right, in light of certain events recently, but... But I mean, the point is, is that almost every every action and reaction of, of fighting and violence can be con- directly contributed to um, sin and the temptation of the flesh, right? And it's that idea that that it's coming from the very passions. It says in this translation that wage war within you, right? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not because you. Have you do not have because you do not ask. Um, there's an old uh, years ago sci-fi story movie, maybe I don't remember if it was a book. Anyway, it was the idea was that um, after World War Three, and this is all fiction, right? The powers that still existed and this small group of humanity that was left through their human society and their own intellect, decided that the way to stop future wars was to get rid of emotion. And so, you know, there's this, this they, they set up this society where there was peace and harmony, and it seemed on the surface to work. And they had special pills to subdue people chemically, you know, to almost castrate them from every, and it was everything. There was no music, there's no paintings, there's no... There's no affection, no, and then there was police to watch for people to, you know, make sure that they weren't being um, seduced by the feelings of emotion. And of course, it didn't work, right? And the whole the whole narrative is about, you know, oh, you know, the core of humanity, the very spirit of life is in our emotion. It's in our our ability to feel and think and love, and it's worth the risk of war. And it's worth these things. And there's some things about that, obviously, that are nice and stuff but the point is is that the in my point in this is that the you know the whole idea was that even in this theoretical society they determined that yeah the the reason we have war the reason we have fighters because people envy because they get jealous because they get angry right these emotions lead to certain things and eventually can become uncontrollable um and so in that way even though it's fiction um it, it's true, right? And that's and the, we have James right here in the scriptures confirming that it is us who do these things. Um, and I think Al brought it up recently too. You know, it, the question from a lot of times from atheists is why does God allow you know terrible things to happen in this world? Right? You know, he created the world, and yet all these bad things exist. And there, are, you know, the answer is almost in the question, right? They exist because we exist. It's not God doing these things. It's us. You know, he's given, he gave, he created the world and it's perfection. He said it is all good. All of its creation was good. And then we messed it up. You know, we did that on our own. And and ever since then, it's been a story of redemption, right? And that's the good, that's the good news. The gospel is the redemption. That's where the good is. Christ brings it. 
And that's why, and that's kind of what, what um, James is talking about here, right? We are the source of our um, satisfaction and, and satisfying what we are craving isn't in taking from others. It's not in trying to achieve certain things and going after them with, through our own might. It's simply asking the Father. We read that verse, right? It says, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, right? With whom there's no shadow of turning or variableness, right? There's no respecter of persons, which we'll read later. Um, and we've already read in James. So we simply have not because we ask not. And us, and I mean that in, in all of humanity, we are at war with ourselves and we are at war with our very own members as we read throughout scriptures. And the thing about studying in James chapter 4 is just like much of scriptures, it's so in line with other things, other gospels uh, or the gospels with other epistles written by Paul and other and John as well. There's so much about that just lines up with a very central theme of the scripture, which is we are at war with our own flesh and sin. And there's not a there is no uh, relationship that we can have with sin that isn't going to cost us, right? It's not what God wants from us. And in, in reading James four, I was reminded of uh, a book I, w- I read um, years ago by Watchman Nee. Have you all heard of Watchman Nee? He's pretty right. So um, he's, uh, I think, a missionary to China. He grew up. In the early 1900s, um, ended up, I think, dying in prison, being persecuted for his faith. And he wrote this book called Love Not the World, right, based mostly on the verse in 1 John, which we'll read. Um, Let's go ahead and turn there, uh, 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Reading in the New King James now, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Read that again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. It's a very convicting passage, is it not? It's hard to think, uh, I mean, at least for me, when I read those words, to not think of, am I in danger of that? I mean, there's clear separation of, of if you love the world... You don't have the love of the Father, right? That's 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 kind of um, it's convicting, right? Because it's so easy to be in this. I mean, we we live in this world, and yet, you know, how do we not? How are we not supposed to love it? I mean, you know, right? It's we're immersed in it, right? And so, and, and I think the book, the again, it's been a long time since I read it, and I was kind of skimming through it a little bit um, this weekend. But Watchman Nee says he he does kind of talk about how how you can do those things practically. Where he talks about being a doctor, he talks about um, you know being in trade, right? And this is still relevant today, even though he wrote this probably a hundred years ago now, maybe more. But it was about 
you know, you can. We, we obviously were called to live in this world. We're not called to go sit in a box somewhere or hide in a rock and wait for the Lord's return, right? We are called to go out into the world even, right, and preach the gospel. And yet we're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be an alienated people. We're supposed to be distinct and righteous, right? Righteous means to be set apart. So how is it that we're supposed to not love the world but be loving in the world? And, um, well, it's, it's through the power of, of Jesus, right? It's through constant um, communication and communion with him. And we'll get more to that. But uh, one of the distinct things that, that Washman E. does is, I mean, he's very intelligent, right? Very articulate. And if you read this book, um, it's not a very long book, but it, it, especially as a young man, it's kind of hard, you know, to get into, right? There's a lot of big words and... Um, um, but it's it's really great, as I recall. And um, he, one of the things he starts with is he kind of breaks down the Greek, right? And he talks about how John, um, in the Gospels and his letters, uses it's it's he calls it John's word, the cosmos. Okay, so that's like the the translation of the word world. Okay, and he talks about the cosmos, and he kind of says there's like three kind of contexts of the word cosmos that you can think of as it relates in the verses throughout the Bible. And um, one of the ways is the world is 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 the world as um, kind of creation, the world um, as basically everything but us is the way I kind of interpreted it, right? So you have creation. Um, you know, God created the world. It's everything, and it's just and again, it was good. It was good. And then you have the world, and it's more of it's talking about the people of the world, right? It's more about us. It's, it's God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's us, right? Um, fallen without Christ, but redeemed, right? And then there's the world, and this is what we're kind of focusing on this morning. And this is what this verse is referring to that in, in uh, 1 John and also um, in James is the world in its sense of everything with it. All the all the materialism, all of sin, right? That's 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 the world we're focused on, right? And so it's not just creation. It's not the, the mountains and the water. It's not the birds. It's not the people. It's everything that's fallen, right? And of course, that includes those things. But we're focusing on um, the doings of the world, if you will. So again, Watchman Nee really breaks that down very well. Um, in the in that book, love not the world. Back to James chapter four, it says, "You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures." You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he starts with saying, uh, you have not because you ask not, right? We quote that all the time. Um, But I think, and we've said this before uh, in James chapter 3, and I kind of rushed, I think, the last time I spoke to, to kind of bypass that. But, you know, when we talked about what should we be doing with our lips, 
what should we doing with our or words how should we spend our time when we communicate one of the most important parts of that is speaking to the lord right we should be communicating with him daily asking him for guidance and for patience and and not just and we should be reading his word right because he speaks through us to us through his word through the scriptures and we should be open to hearing and I talked about how sometimes I can read um, and not not understand. You know, you can I can look at words; they go through my brain, and and yet I don't know what I just read. Sarah reads like uh, two hundred books a year. I think I told you all that before. If you haven't heard, she she literally reads two hundred books. And for a while, I didn't believe her. You know, I just I would so I, you could ask her, I would quiz her, and I'm like, I was like, all right, I'm going to read a page, and you read a page. You know, and, and so we would both read a page of whatever it was. And she'd be done in a tenth of the time, and then I, and then I started quizzing her. You know, like, is there any retention there? And and she really does retain it pretty well. Um, you know, but for me, I would, you know, I'm, I I can't, I get distracted. You know, and, and in some ways it's good if it's something deep. You know, like Watchman Nee or even the, or the scriptures. You know, I can read a verse and and I'm like, oh, it's kind of like this verse. Or it's like, you know, all the you know we talked about this last week. You know, Daryl brought that up. Oh, you know, you know that's kind of like life, like this or that. But. Um, well, then I don't get anywhere, you know, <laughs> like I'm trying to get to get, just get through one chapter or what, you know, whatever it is. And and so we all have different ways in how we process information and stuff. But the bottom line is we live in a world that is busy and it is purposely trying to take away our attention from everything and put it on or everything good and put it on everything else. Right. It, it's. It's just it's it's Satan is designing the world around us for what control he has that God is allowing him to have right now. And he's trying to distract us from the things that God wants us to be focused on. Right. And he's very good at it. Right. So we need to spend time thinking back to James chapter three. We need to spend time communicating with God, quieting our minds in meditation before him. Right. We're not talking about namaste. Right. Sitting there with your legs crossed. mm, Right. But I mean, in reality, I think sometimes we get away from that as Christians. Right. There's a I mean, I, I know I have. There's a value in being quiet before the Lord. Right. We read that verse as we ended last time I spoke, I think, um, how he comes in a still small voice. Right. And that's not, I mean, sometimes he comes in a fire. We've seen that in the scriptures, right? Sometimes the Lord will get a hold of you in big and powerful ways. Sometimes the Lord uses volume and, and um, intensity to communicate. But if we don't quiet ourselves, we're, we're probably going to miss him. God's not going to compete for our time. Before, you know, he loses, he, he has a patience with us. He certainly is gracious and has patience. But there's talk in the scriptures of how that runs out. Sometimes he will allow us to, you know, hey, that's the way you want to go. You can go that way. That's the freedom I give you. But he's there. If we, you know, he's standing at the door knocking. If we turn to him, he will answer, right? If we ask him, he will give us the answer, you know, what we're searching for, if we're asking with the right heart and the right mind. And James is reminding us of that, right? So we need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time being uh, open to what God has to say to us, right? In the word um, and in quieting our minds, right? Putting out these things away from us so that we're not distracted.
I'd like to go ahead and just turn to Colossians chapter 3. I think it goes, there's, like I said, a lot of scripture that goes very well with this passage, but um, I want to read chapter, chapter 3 of Colossians. And we're going to just read it in its entirety. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear, then also you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And now some practical advice. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men, knowing that you that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So much is summed up in just one chapter there, right? As as far as how we should live in Christ, so much of what we shouldn't do, so much of what we should do, and how to do it. And again, it, you can see how it fits in with this love not the world, right, and the things of the world. And it gets into more specifics on what these things are, what these um, these things are in our members, right, these um, these sins, if you will. Um, and see how it uses that word in this translation, members, again, um, in verse... Sorry, where I, I lost it here. Five, thank you. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Paul, I used that term, right? This idea that it's 
You know, he says, I beat my body into submission, right? He, and he talks about being frustrated with, with sin as, as, and, and how it um, manifests in ourselves. And it just feels like sometimes we can't control ourselves. I talked of a, a young girl who I think I mentioned this once. And I came upstairs one night and I said, well, you know, why are, this is years ago. Like, why are, why are we being so bad? You know, why, this is like the 1100th time I've been up here. And, you know, it's just, Dad, I, I just, uh, I just don't know. I just can't stop being naughty. I just, it's like there's something, you know, this is coming from like a three-year-old, four, three, four years old, you know. It's like there's something in me, it's just like, I, I just got to be bad. <laughs> you know? And and I really, and I felt that, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty and I feel that, you know, I, that's scriptural, right? Um well, we, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> but you have to love the honesty of kids. Um, they can kind of reset your brain to the simplicity of, of that's, that's the truth, if, if it's not, right? But Paul, you know, he, he's not, he doesn't mince words, right? He's saying, that, I mean, you have to mortify your members, right? I mean, to the point that he says, if, you know, if the eye offends you, pluck it out. You know, you're better off entering into heaven with one eye than, than two and remain in sin, right? And it's just a, a very visual, um, drastic picture of, of just how important it is for us to lay aside sin as it easily besets us, right? And run the race, run it the right way, right? Thinking back to James chapter 1, and uh, I think Daryl read this the last time he was going over James in a recap as well. Um, It says, James chapter 1, verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world, the cosmos, right? So again, we're at war with this world. I told Sarah on the way... Before we got here, um, the Lord reminded me of, of just how susceptible I can be, right? Um, I, you know, we have this new one-year-old black vehicle. It's nice, it's shiny, and it's black. And everybody tells you, I guess, you only ever one black. You'll only ever own one black vehicle, right? Because it's just keeping the dirt off. It's and I, I didn't hear that. I wish people told me before I bought a black vehicle. And so, you know, so I got this nice, like, foam kit, you know, it sprays on this cheap little sprayer, and I cleaned the car, and, and I, I thought once it snowed, well, like, that's it, the salt's going to be on it, the snow's going to be on it, the dirt, until, you know, it's just going to look this way, you're going to brush up against it for the rest of the year. And then, surprisingly, we got, you know, some warm weather, the snow melted, the car washes were open, and... Uh, um, but it was, it was too full, you know, the uh, Friday, I think it was. So I was like, I'll just wash it out. So I probably spent, I mean, it was supposed to be like 20 minutes. I ended up spending like two hours watching this thing, you know, because then you're done and the spots are, you know, they're still there. And I'm like, I don't want to leave the spots. It almost looks worse than when the salt was on it, you know. So I put the little wax on it, you know, and you got to wipe it on and wipe it off like the karate kid. And it finally looks, and it looks great. You know, I'm like, Sarah, I'm like, I go out, open the garage door sometimes. Look how nice it looks. Don't drive it. But like, look at it. <laughs> and um, 
we went on a little date last night. We went to the hockey game, and I was surprised, you know, look at, and this morning we come out, you know, we're heading to church, and, and I see some spots on it, just a few spots, but it's like, now it looks good, so the, the five spots on it, you notice right away, right? And it's from the, the water that it got into the, to the mirror, and it dripped down the side, and I had this, like, spray that you just spray it and you wipe it, and it's right there. I'm like, oh, before I get in the car, I just grab the spray, and I spray it, and I do, like, three wipes. And as I do, I don't, I'm not wearing my jacket right now, but I hear, like, that, you know, and I'm like, oh. And I look, and on my collar, or on my collar is, like, a button snap, you know, with the metal part. And so I look, and sure, sure enough, there's a little, you know, like a scuff mark on the black paint. And so I kind of, like, you know, and I get in the car, and I was like, babe, I'm going to use this in the message, because this is, like, definitely convicting, right? And the idea is, like, and, and this has happened before. It happened, like, six months ago. I was cleaning my, my Honda, which is old, and I don't really care. The paint's peeling off. But I was just trying to, you know, take care of what the Lord's given me. And I'm just cleaning it off, finally getting around to, to clearing off the little lens inside. And I use the same wipe on the dash that I use on the screen. And the screen I've had for since... You know, 2012 is now all scratched up, you know, because a little tiny pebble or whatever, something of a brace I've got on it. So it's like, and that idea is that here I was trying my best to make this vehicle look clean. And it was, it would have been better off if I just left it alone. Right. And so you can, I mean, that, I think that message is as plain and clear as can be, right. It's about the materialistic side of things and how in our efforts, it's vanity, right. It's just, it's pointless. And, and that's the hard thing about this message is, is, is when it comes to love not the world, right? You know, even just the materialistic side, which is one of the, I think, the, the hardest things we struggle with in this country in this day and age because we're so blessed with what we have. I mean, I feel blessed to have a vehicle, to have two vehicles working, um, you know, and, and big enough for the kids to fit it. And, and it's not wrong to want to take care of the paint or the, you know, and change the oil or whatever, right? That's fine. It's not want, wrong to want to do these things. Al mentioned this, I think, just last week. You know, there's there's a side of things where you have to go to work. You have to pay your bills. You, you know, it's it's okay to be financially savvy and and prepare for things. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to get dressed up or, or look nice or fix your hair. But it very easily can cross this threshold of something that's not what God would have for us, right? That it can become an obsession, that it can become a, the, the main goal for us, right? And, and it's hard to know where that, that line draws for you. But I think if you, if you uh, inflect upon yourself, you know, as the Lord has helped me recently, it is maybe even as of this morning, uh, you can see where where you cross that line, perhaps, right? And um, and that's just the materialistic side of things. Um, so we move in toward the holiday season, right? It, we're already shopping for gifts and things, and um, everybody's out already. If you haven't noticed, they're all out there. Um, so you know, get your shopping done now because it's only getting worse, right? But but it's all this hustle and bustle about gifts and things. And again, what's wrong with buying gifts for people? Nothing, you know. You're showing forth your love, and so that's good, you know, for the kids, you know, the, the grandkids, the cousins, whatever. But these things can become a problem, right? We see it in our own hearts and minds. And um, and Jesus had things to say about that, did he not? Um, uh, well, 
the second thing, right? So we could talk about the materialistic side and think, okay, well, we already know that. We already know that, right? It's easy to know that the world is materialism, you know, lay not up your treasures, store not your treasures on earth where moth and rust are, right? Lay them up in heaven. Got it. Okay. Well, there's another side of the world that we've already read a little bit about, and um, we have to understand that's that's also equally is is wrongful and harmful, and that is the praise of men, right? So you we might if you if you get down and nail down this idea of like okay I'm not a materialistic person, and I struggle with this as well is that sometimes that very thing as we get away I'm not materialistic we go towards something else and that's the pride of life if you will right the pride of of just being. Um, living in a way that we want others to respect us. And it may be other, be other Christians. It may be um, family. It may be anyone, right, but at work. And, again, we're, we're supposed to have a reputation, right, a good name, a good reputation. We read, read about in Proverbs, rather be chosen than great riches. All right, yeah, I don't want the riches. I just want that good reputation. But is, we should be most focused on the reputation we have with God. How does God see us, right? That's Again, that's the, the, the refocusing that we should always bring it back to, is evaluating ourselves and our lives through the eyes of God and, and how it lines up with Scripture. And so we easily can, can stray to the left and to the right. And if we're not going toward materialism, we may find ourselves going toward just how we look. And again... We we're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care about the shiny car or whatever. Um, so I'm not, you know, really looking for the praise of men in that way. But, but if anybody questions whether or not you're a hard worker or you're intelligent, suddenly you get a defensive, right? Well, because we don't want to feel like we're dumb. You know, we want people to like us. And again, what's, there's nothing wrong with that inherently at first. But it becomes an obsession. It becomes something that we're focused on. And. Um, I mean, it's throughout scriptures, but Jesus talks about it in um, we'll go to John chapter 12, the gospel of John 12 now. down in verse 42. I'll start verse 41. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And this was said a lot about the Pharisees, right? And we don't... If, if the Pharisees did it, we probably... And, the, you know, you don't want to do it. Matthew 6 as well. Uh, if you go to Matthew 6. Verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. Again, we're cautioned against the showing off before others, right, and seeking after others and and um, their praise rather than how the Lord sees us. And he's 
he's never he's never um, tricked, right? He's never deceived. We can deceive others in, in thinking that we're better than what we really are. But the Lord's not tricked, right? He wants us to... And, and honestly, in some ways, people, while they're deceived easily, they have a limit at which their grace and mercy goes through, right? And so ultimately, I think that's what... I think it's a big reason we, there's so many are without hope in this world is because they reach the end of which people are willing to praise and uplift and 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 give mercy to, right? And then, I mean, once you fall off with people, often you, there's no room to come back, right? There's no redemption. Um, so ironically, in a, in a way, the Lord's easier to please, right? He just says, come to me, right? I've, I've already redeemed you. I've bought you with a price. Just come to me. My, my mercies are new every morning, and yet we seek after the mercies, if you will, and the and the the graces and the favors, the uh, favoritism of people. When the Lord is merciful and He's gracious, and He wants us to come to Him, and every good gift and every perfect gift comes from Him, right? And we are His children, and. That's all we have to do is ask, like it says in verse uh, 1, right? All we have to do is ask. And yet we seek after people's, uh, you know, their approval. Um, and why? We'll look in verse uh, 11 now in James 4, 11 and 12. Kind of segues way into into a couple into humility here, right? So in James chapter four, verse eleven, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Oh, I'm sorry, I went a little too far, actually. It's verse seven. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So it talks about two things, humility and also um, not being judgmental. So first off, often misquoted, right? Judge not, be not judged, right? It's easy for that to be what we would tell others so that we, you know, keep others from looking into our lives and telling us how to live our lives, right? And like all things, there's usually, there's a balance in that, okay? We know from other places in scriptures that, um, we should convince, confess our sins to one another, right? That's one such example. We should, in some cases, uh, you know, put people out. It's rare, but in some cases, you know, the false teachers. There's behavior that needs to be corrected. As as parents, we have to, we can't just tell our kids, eh, judge not, be not judged, you know, no judgment for me. I'm not a judge, you know, and like, and just live and let live to your children. Obviously, hopefully we all understand and we've seen um, where that goes wrong, uh, there has to be there. There is an accountability, and we're not. And it's not just oh, I'm only accountable to God. 
No, we're accountable to each other too. Okay, we um, in in practical ways, right? I have people who are accountable to me at work, and I'm accountable to others at work. I I'm going to receive judgment. We are accountable to the law, right? Romans what thirteen? There's there's things about that we're accountable to. Um, even Jesus said, "Pay your taxes." You know, like we're, we're accountable to things to people. Um, and therefore, there needs to be discernment. There needs to be correction um, in love. Um, but this is more or less going to go on with, again, previous chapters and readings where, you know, respecter of persons uh, and, and being gossipy and judging people just for the sake of, of being um, proud and looking down on others. And you're not seeking to be helpful. You're not seeking to to bring them into righteousness, but less you're just trying to make yourself feel better about yourself, right? And you're you're picking on things with the intent of building yourself up. And that's not what God would have for us, right? And that's not, that's what James is saying here. You should not be um, judging others, right? We should be doing the right thing, and in love, we should be showing that forth to those around us um, in the church and in our community to those that are saved and unsaved alike. And that it can be lovingly and graciously going to one another and saying, hey, like, maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, maybe, you know, consider this, read this, brother or sister. Um, and that's good. But hopefully we, we know that it's, I think, if, again, if you're in, you, you seek after the Lord, he's going to show you if you're doing this in your life and you're open, um, to what the Lord would have, you can see in ways in which that could manifest. Where, okay, we're we're being judgmental here. We're not trying to. I, well, I you know, yeah, maybe they're not doing the right thing. But I mean, I was so focused on, you know, oh look at them, look at so and so, right, and not in, in gossiping with my wife or with somebody else, and not actually, you know, praying for them and maybe trying to find you know a way in which I can be helpful to bring them closer to the Lord, right. So don't fall into that. And part of that, obviously, is going to come with humility. The, the irony of humility is that if you find yourself, if, if somehow, by the grace of God, you are not materialistic, and by the grace of God, you are mortifying your members, right? And you don't struggle with all these things listed in Colossians chapter 3. Um, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, um, what creeps up? The pride of life, right? I mean, how would you not be proud, proud of yourself if you're not like the goat, as the kids say? You're not the greatest of all time, right? Yeah? If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, a phenomenal athlete, we see it all the time. How, how do you not walk out on that court or out on that field like this? You know what I mean? Like I, every, everything I touch turns to gold, man. I mean, I don't know what to do. Every time I kick a ball, it's in the back of the net. Every time I throw it, right? And so you see, I mean, you watch these these people on you know TV, and and like they're almost nine ninety nine out of a hundred, it gets to their head, and I, and it's and at first you know you just get frustrated. And you're like, you know, why why are you this way? But I get it. You know, like how do you? That's a tough situation to be in to have it all and not and and be expected not to feel that way. But it doesn't change the fact that. That, that's the reality of it is that um, every, again, everything comes from God, right? Uh, you, the breath in your lungs is from the Lord. So be careful because that, that haughty spirit, that, that prideful arrogance goeth before destruction. 
So in, and that happens to, to pious believers, right? There, and we've seen, again, unfortunately, many people who have committed their lives and have done many things to the Lord um, and won souls to Christ in the numbers of thousands become get to a place mentally and spiritually that they feel like they're above reproach. They're not humbling themselves. They're not becoming, um, they're not... Uh, accountable to somebody, not to God or even anyone else to to help mentor them and keeping them out of corruption. And in many cases, right, they've fallen. And then the little areas of their life that they've, you know, um, let go turn into a huge scandal for them and, and the entirety of Christ, Christendom, really. And it's sad, but... So think about that. Think about humility and, and the contrast uh, of pride and humility and, the, and the, how it's is, as much as you get everything kind of cleaned up over here. Humility, it, it's hard to keep up with, but it's possible and only through Christ, right? Remembering that every victory is through Christ and every failure is us without him. Um, so we just need to look to him in all those things. Galatians chapter 6, we're finishing up here. Galatians 6. Verse 13. Galatians 6:13. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation, right? Boast in the cross. If you're going to boast, boast in the cross. Running out of time here, but uh, I'll just I'll leave you with this. That the last parts of chapter four are um, come now says in verse thirteen, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Said you should say, if the Lord wills. We will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. I think that last verse to me is kind of, it it lines up with everything, but it's also like on its own, right? It is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. So just remember that there is that sin of, we call it omission, maybe. You've heard of that, like this idea that there's things that we shouldn't be doing. But to know the right thing to do, to know what the Lord would have us do for our lives, um, and to not do it, that's a problem as well. We have to keep that in mind. Um, But there's this thing about, you know, our will and God's will is the title of this section, verses 13 through the end. Um, And I think that's just can be summed up in this. Remember, the the, the Lord's in control, right? Again, it kind of comes with humility. Um, we, We set plans, and... Uh, as the old saying is, God laughs. You know, it's not true. He doesn't laugh at you know out of 
you know, trying to make fun of us. But, but that idea that we, you know, we set our plans and, and things, they don't always go that way. Right? We don't know what the Lord's plans are at all times. Just know that you know, we should be relying on the Lord to give us direction, right? Trust in the Lord in all thy ways and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. A young man I, I went to, um, I worked with, he was a linguist. Um, before he failed out, but he did like two years, so he knew Arabic really well. And he told me, and I, I confirmed this with other um, Arabic-speaking people and, and other things I've seen, is that in Arabic-speaking countries, Muslim countries typically, uh, inshallah is what they would say, right? Inshallah, which is like one word, and it means if God wills. And obviously for them, if they mean it, they're, it's kind of like, us saying, you know, God willing, and we say that sometimes, and I said it probably last week, you know, I'll be here, God willing, next week, you know, and, and if you mean it, and you really think about it, what you're saying is, I'm going to make plans, and I'm still reminding you and, and myself, I don't know what the future holds, only God does, and that's good, and and but kind of funny, they've done little, um, I saw a video of a guy going around asking you know, what does inshallah mean to you? And he asked in a Muslim country, and he's asking mostly Westerners, but even the locals, and they're like, oh. and this is, confirms what the young man that I work with said. Because uh, I asked him, I was like, tell me something in Arabic. Like, I'll, my favorite saying is inshallah. I was like, it basically is what, when we say maybe, that's what it means. Like, hey, you going to come over to my house tomorrow night? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so they say inshallah, inshallah. And that, that means it ain't happening. Maybe. You know, like, like I might. It, you know, there's like a two out of ten chance. It was. It's just an excuse to say, and it, and then in the culture, it's like I'm not gonna argue. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't argue a maybe. You know, you say, hey, you gonna come over tomorrow? You help me cut my grass? You said you would. Yeah, I might. I, don't, I might do that. Like, he ain't coming over. You know, but you're, that's what you say later. Like I'm not gonna argue with him. You know, like because it's a maybe. It's just your way out, and so it, it's kind of comical, right? But that that's that that can be. That was something that I picked up from again my friend um, and. That that's like an excuse that that many people in that that country or in those speak in that language that use that language use as an excuse to just say yeah oh, you know whatever happens happens you know and that's not the intent right that's not the intent of if God wills we need to understand truthfully that we uh, should look to do the things that the Lord would have us we should look to Him constantly communication with Him to hum- uh, be humble before Him to listen to Him. And to not be a part, to be part of this world, but not of it, so that we can minister to it, um, to those in it, um, and we not be stained by it constantly and brought down by it, and um, understanding that He holds our future, and that He is He's caring and loving, and He wants us to succeed, and He wants us to uh, be a light for Him in this world. And we need to look to him because only he knows what the future holds. So uh, let's pray. Lord, again, we just lift up the reading of your word and um, ask that you commit it to our hearts and minds. And um, help us, Lord, help us all and, and teach us to be um, ever waiting on you and your word. Help us with materialistic things and, and um, putting those aside from our hearts and minds, especially this time of year, that we focus on what you would have us to do daily and how we should love one another, as we read in Colossians.
and um, help us to put away pride and um, just stay humble before you and look to you in all ways and you will guide our paths, Lord. We trust you to do that as you've promised and um, we just ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.